Hello everyone and welcome back to more Knowing Wheel. Yes, as you can probably tell by the sounds of our voices, it is very early on a Monday morning. You can, you know, if you're one of our YouTube listeners, you can see the rosy cheeks, the doughy eyes uh, and everything like that. But as always, I'm joined by Jamie183 uh, and sad news, this, this might be the last podcast <laughs> Jamie ever does with us. Potentially, potentially. I'm actually um, flying to Switzerland today, hence hence the Salva F1 team cap. I thought I'd pay tribute. Um, but my my flight to Switzerland that I was meant to be on has uh, already been cancelled, what, like 10 hours in advance? And so I've checked onto a new flight, which is operated by Ethiopian Airlines. So it could be curtains for me. Um, we shall see. I'll see if I rejoin you next week or not. If I don't, that's quite morbid. But at least this video will go viral. So, how does it help me in the predictions league? Far more importantly, well, I guess I won't get any more points. I can just I'll go Max, Checo, Alonso every race for the rest of the season. You're gonna lock that in if yeah. it turns out you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well I'll make sure if, if that does happen, Jamie. I will continue to offer you predict against nobody. Week. Yep, I will. I will allow you to predict. Make those lock those in for the rest of the year. Um, but we, we have got a few little bits and pieces to go through, haven't we, of course? See, it, it, it feels odd to have a break week, despite the fact Formula 1's only been back for two weeks. Uh, but it was better than I'd originally thought, because I'd assumed there were two break weeks for some reason. Because apparently I can't do maths. No, um, not at all. But we've, we've got back-to-back races again, haven't we? We've got Singapore and Japan coming up, yes. which is quite exciting. Both quite good races um, as well, usually. So. Well, they can. They can both be quite good. They can also be quite boring. Yeah, but you know, well. Singapore is long enough that something's bound to happen at some point. Yes. Yeah. The race is generally a bit of a marathon. However, of course, this year it's going to be a whole lot easier, isn't it? Is it? I don't know what you're. The track's to. been changed. Oh, really? Did you not know this? No, I actually haven't seen that at all. What's What's changed? <laughs> This got announced months ago. Jamie, we're on knowing wheel and you don't know about the Singapore track changes. So, uh, the 17, 18, 19, 20 double chicane in the final oh, yeah. sector it's gone. is gone. Where's Nelson Piquet going to crash now? Well, Nelson Piquet Jr., exactly. Yeah, this is... I mean, it's, it's curtains for him. Yeah. His Formula 1 career might be in tatters. Yeah. <laughs> What's he I mean, doing nowadays, should... actually? Nelson Piquet Jr.? I have no idea. Yeah, keep talking. I'll, I can have a look. Okay, it looks like... Yeah, basically, you still do turn 17, which is technically the one where Piquet crashed. Um, but you don't go back no. under the grandstand. No. No? No, it's the one before that, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, see... Yeah, that's that's really strange. So it's basically now another straight, all the way to turn 16, like, under the grandstand. And then you come out and go around the final two corners. So this track used to be, I think it was 25 corners back when you had the sling. And you had this chicane. And now it's down to 19. I mean, at what point do they just make it a, a drag strip with one corner at each end? Well, I'm waiting exactly for them to do a crossover. You know where the track almost crosses over itself? Yeah. I'm waiting for them to change that so you get two even longer straights at Singapore. Just what, get like so a really get bad like humpback bridge. A bridge or a tunnel for one of the parts. Yeah. That would be awesome. Yeah. Be like a figure of eight. It would. It would be incredible. The second we could get two figure of eight circuits in a row. Um to clarify as well quickly on the Nelson PK Jr. front, he's racing in the European Le Mans series, and in which he's fifteenth, and he's also racing in the Brazilian stock car series in which he's twentieth. I bet a Brazilian so stock car just has on. race fixes every single race. So he's probably at home. <laughs> 
So, so far, just to clarify, Jamie has slagged off <laughs> Ethiopia and Brazil, and we are four minutes into this week. Uh, so it's, it's, go- it's gone better than normal, actually. Yeah, quite, it's usually more than that by now. It normally is. Uh, but we, we've got a few bits and pieces to talk to, uh, talk, to talk about, haven't we? Um, it's, it's been a fairly calm news week again, hasn't it? Yeah. But the stories we have got we think are going to be quite interesting. Uh, of course, before we jump into that, though, a little bit of housekeeping. Jamie, how many subscribers are you on now? <laughs> I don't think it's going down that fast. All my subscribers are too loyal. So too loyal. I'll, I'll don't check. know their sub to you. I'm on five three eight still. So, we are yeah. up to one hundred eighty seven. So the gap now is three hundred and fifty one. Get subbing. So or we get are unsubbing from me. Do both, preferably. <laughs> get get subscribing to the Normal World Podcast. Of course, for all of those of you that are watching this on my main YouTube channel, uh, there'll be a link down in the description below, uh, because, of course, Knowing Wheel, as of 2024, is going to be primarily on its own YouTube channel, uh, which we would highly recommend you get yourself subscribed to. And starting from yesterday, uh, because obviously we record these podcasts a day before they go out, um, we are actually going to be starting releasing all of our archive footage from the early days of the show onto the Knowing Wheel podcast channel. So the plan of action is probably around 9 or 10 p.m. UK time uh, each day. We're going to be uploading a show pretty much now until uh, the end of the year. Obviously, we'll skip days where the actual podcast goes out. We'll just do an archive one that uh, obviously on the other days of the week. Um, but basically, I mean, it's going to give you a fun chat. I mean, at least throughout the next month, uh, you can listen back to all of our thoughts and feelings of the 2021 Formula One season. <laughs> That'd be um, and then from the end of, well, from the middle of October through to probably the start of December, you'll get to listen to 2022. And then from sort of the middle of December uh, until the end of the year, you'll be able to catch up on all of the most recent from Knowing Wheel as well. So it's exciting times, Jamie, and it's going to align us very nicely. I look forward to, to people people realizing just how like hopium we were at the beginning of 2022 for a championship. There, fight. there were a few rusty episodes and 2021 as well. It'll be like, oh, there's no way Red Bull can keep this up for the whole season. But Lewis is going to win no. his eighth easy. There's going to be a lot of comments that end badly for us, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. I, I, Silverstone really is a good discussion. Stuff. No, I do remember that. I vaguely remember that. So yeah, we spent about an hour listening. just disagreeing with each other. It was great. Basically, yeah. I mean, that was a lot of 2021, wasn't it? <laughs> um, which, which was good fun. But yeah, get yourself subscribed over there. Obviously, if you're not already, uh, it'd be greatly, greatly appreciated. But let's kick it off then, Jamie, uh, with Andretti. And apparently, the F1 might not have a choice on, or the teams might not have a choice on whether they get to join the sport or not, thanks to the EU. I didn't see why it was thanks to EU, but I did enjoy the Twitter content because of it. So... It's due to, and forgive me if I'm slightly wrong on the wording on this, competitive um, competitive marketing. Not competitive marketing, so competitive markets, sorry. Mm-hmm. Which basically stipulates, of course, to try and stop companies having, having monopolies, which I think, you know, it could be viewed at the moment at the moment that obviously, naturally, the 10 Formula 1 teams have a monopoly. Never mind the fact that one of them is winning every single race. <laughs> um that basically it means that they can't stop other companies joining their market, yeah, um, because it would be deemed as um, monopolizing yeah. and in, uh, monopolizing intentions. Yeah, I mean that's fair. Although I guess the FIA is French, so they're part of the EU, or they operate under yes. EU laws. So I guess that makes sense. Um, yeah, I mean it's good if if Andretti join. I don't really care how they join, but I think. Yeah, it would be it would be good for the sport, and hopefully it happens. I don't know 
which drivers will end up going there, to be honest, because obviously you've got Audi coming in quite soon. And, like, I guess Audi is kind of taking over where Alfa Romeo is right now. But, yeah, the new a new couple of seats for 2025 could could make the driver market quite interesting. And, I mean, this is what we've said for a long time, isn't it? How we feel like Formula 1 that just hasn't quite been enough seats for drivers in recent times. Um, and, you know, especially, you know, when you think about, obviously, like, for example, the Yamanas leaving, of course. You know, Mercedes is very much towards the end, of course, and Ferrari as well. Obviously, we're putting their junior drivers in there. Um, Williams has always been a great example for that in recent years, but now they're starting to turn it around a bit. Of course, Albon looks dead set to be really using that as a long-term project. Mm. And, you know, something else we're going to talk about in the show, but, you know, the, the, the rumours are that Logan Sargent... Uh, he's meant to be keeping his seat next year, so Jamie can cry himself to sleep. Well, Joe will keep his seat out from here then as well. You reckon? <laughs> I wouldn't put money on it. <laughs> no, no, I don't think it. Well, no, neither can Joe Grant you at the moment. That's why his seat <laughs> might not be safe. <laughs> Apparently, that's why. Um, but I mean, it, it would be interesting, isn't it? Of course, the other big thing is, you know, apparently still, you know, originally it was two hundred million dollar buying clause. Uh, Formula One then suddenly found because every team now is estimated estimated to be worth well in excess of like seven hundred and fifty million. Of course, you know companies go well. This is a fantastic return on investment. Obviously, you've got a lot of other expenses as well, but you can effectively three and a half x your money. Um, so now they want to up that to six hundred million. Andretti have still said, "Yep, yeah, we're game. We've got that money. We'll do mm. that." Um, so obviously, Formula One are kind of panicking, but it would be interesting, of course, if they then don't really get a say on the matter. Yeah, yeah, it kind of just seems like Stefano Domenicali quite wants Andretti in. Obviously, Andretti themselves want to be in. I think all of the marketers to do with Formula One quite want them in, but all of the competitive people, the teams. And I guess the rule makers, just because another team makes more admin and more difficult decisions, like they're the ones putting up a fight. But I guess they don't they don't run the show. They don't hold the cards. So if Andretti do make it in, I think it's really good for F1 generally. And hopefully they would not just be a back market team. They'd be able to, you know, at least be up like around Haas and Williams and Afromo. And that's kind of where I, I think if they were to join you'd hope they would be immediately there rather than being cut adrift at the back. Yeah, and even if they just were cut adrift back in 2025 only, I think that, you know, they've been made it very, very clear, of course, if they could get in for then, you know, obviously with the new regs coming in 2026, um, it would be just kind of a test a year, wouldn't it? Mm. Yes. And, um, yeah, I guess we kind of saw that a bit with, was it Toyota? who came in a year before some development or some changes. So they did it a little bit differently. They basically spent a year testing with Formula One teams. They mm. would go around with them. So they not actually race. Of testing in. Yeah, but not actually racing at all. Right, okay. Oh, no, sorry, that was Honda. Oh, was it? Yeah. yeah. F1 in the mid-2000s was crazy. Yeah, there's just so much going on. But... but I think this is the thing, though. I really do feel like we're stepping into another generation like that. I mean, hopefully. It's sort of... The late 90s, the early 2000s, where you've got so many teams coming in, so many big projects, and it's just going to be one team that dominates, and just like it was in the early some 2000s. Of, some of those teams with these massive, massive ambitions. Like, when you've got six teams with huge ambitions, naturally one of those teams won't score points on most weekends, which is, yeah. like, crazy, crazy. Because like, a team like Alpine, with their budget, or even we saw McLaren earlier in the season, 
for them to be finishing like 14th on pure pace just shows how competitive the sport is if you ignore P1 and 2. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it is mad, isn't it? I mean, we've always said this before, haven't we? Especially, you know, last year as well, but this year even more so. You know, the battle at the front has been so boring, but the battle behind again has been absolutely sensational. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, there there are there are rumblings, aren't there now, of course, because you know, Alfa Romeo, Williams, well, Williams not so much because they're being carried by it. Uh, but Alfa Romeo, Haas, uh, and Alpha Tauri is sort of, you know, trying to poke the FIA in the back, sort of going, can we have points all the way down to 20th? Because obviously at the moment, you don't really talk about our fight going on, but it's actually quite mad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's such... The problem is with only points for, like, 1 to 10, is that... So I would argue that actually the majority of normal races, you've certainly earlier in the season, you had Alfa Romeo probably being the fastest of those teams on race pace. Yeah. But because in the normal races, they're then finishing 14th, 15th. And then on the crazy races, or the high-speed tracks like Canada or like uh, Monza, for instance, Albon's just there finishing 7th. And Alfa Romeo are never going to catch that up because their car is almost too generalised to be able to finish 7th anywhere. They're just going to finish 12th everywhere. Yeah. And if they had points down, it would be, certainly between Alfa and Williams, I think it would be a lot closer. It would be interesting, and of course, it would depend on obviously what point system they use. I guess you could try and say that everyone inside the top ten gets ten more points than they're currently on, and then you just stagger it all the way down. I wouldn't even mind if twentieth didn't get you a point. Uh, yeah, um, I would say like maybe ten, one to fifteen or something, because like realistically, if you could have an absolute shocker of a race, like I don't know, you look at Nick DeVries at the start of the season. If he's having a race like Canada, where all he's doing is driving people off the track. I don't think he deserves points for finishing like 17th, 18th, to be honest. Um, there is only a couple of points. It's all still relative, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But I wouldn't want to just, you know, uh, devalue the the like the like joy of getting points that you look at it's from the title scene. Remember, like Joel Bianchi or Pascal Verlaine getting points in the manor. That I was just crazy, thing, crazy good. Yeah. You don't want to you don't want to lose those moments. No, I think that is the thing as well, isn't it? Kind of those things as well are pretty special because, of course, Formula 1 has always been, you know, for those minnow teams, scoring those few points are absolutely mad. Um, but, yeah, back to... I mean, we've we've gone very, very off topic there, haven't we? Obviously talking yeah. about Andretti. Um, right now then, Jamie, say they get the call-up for 2025. Who would be their two drivers, do you think? <laughs> Uh, Logan Sargent, maybe. <laughs> As you one reckon of them. he'd get dropped by Williams? Do you? Well, I don't think they'd. I don't think Williams would put up too much of a fight if Andretti came calling. Fair just enough. Because like Andretti wants an American driver exactly. Just let because he's not a huge asset to Williams. He's obviously they'd get some money for a brake clause or whatever. So I think he could be one. And they'd probably look for somebody solid and dependable for a second seat. So maybe even Sergio Perez. You reckon? I don't think Perez would want to take a step down, but if he got kicked out of Red Bull, then why not? Well, that does lead us quite nicely into our next point, doesn't it, Jamie? Because apparently the well, well the not well-kept secret in the paddock at the moment, which has started to get confirmed a little bit around the place, is Lando Norris could be heading off to Red Bull as soon as 2024. Mm, and we've kind of been on this... Don't want to blow our own trumpet, but for about eighteen months, it feels like to be honest. We we have um, said this for a long time, but 
yeah, you've had kind of the questions um, getting thrown at uh, both Norris and Verstappen um, and Helmut Marco as well about like could could Norris end up in that second seat, whether it's twenty four or twenty five or beyond, and the answer has never been no is how I'd best describe it. So, yeah, I think Verstappen has said he would welcome, like he would look forward to racing with Norris. Um, obviously we've all kind of always known that Perez wasn't a long-term solution for that team. Um, and Norris is obviously one of the best drivers on the grid stuck in a car, which to be fair is, is better than it was at the start of the year, but he's still not capable of winning races, but then nine out of 10 cars aren't capable of winning races at the minute. Um, so yeah, I think it'd be great for all parties. I don't think it will happen for 2024, but you know, Red Bull aren't struggling for money. So they could just buy Norris out of his contract if they wanted to. Yeah, I don't know, Jamie. Because we've spoke so much about how seemingly quite boring Silly Season has been this year. Mm. It really has made me wonder whether this is going to be the huge shake-up that comes in the winter. Do you think it would be a huge shake-up? I just think they'd probably do a straight swap. Because I think Red Bull have enough grace to give Perez a safe landing. But would McLaren want Perez? It didn't go well last time. I suppose it didn't go last time, but that was 10 years ago now. (laughs) So, I I mean, who else would McLaren get? I think the thing is, not only did it not go well for Perez last time at McLaren, but it didn't really go well for McLaren when they had Red Bull's damaged goods last time in Daniel Ricciardo. Mm. I I don't, like... I would say Perez is kind of towards the top of the mid-level drivers. And I don't see McLaren being able to attract a top-level driver, personally. So I think, obviously, Perez himself has some history at the team, which maybe doesn't help him. But, you know, you're looking at the likes of Perez, Sainz, Gasly, Ocon, any of that range driver. Are McLaren going to be able to attract any of them? If Perez is there, why? I don't see why they wouldn't just take him. Because otherwise, you're kind of looking either a rookie or down the grid completely. I mean, this is the thing, isn't it? Because effectively we're asking our question of... I Don't get me wrong, I think Oscar Piastri has absolutely got the pace to be a number one driver in a team. But would McLaren want to use him yet as a number one driver? Yeah, I'm not sure he's ready to lead the team yet in his second season, if it was to happen this, this year. So, I mean, I, I'd like to see Hulk go there, obviously, but that of won't happen. Of course you would. <laughs> you like to see Hulk just stay anywhere, to be honest, but he's already locked in at Haas next year. Yeah. Um, I mean, you kind of look through the junior formula as well. You know, could they end up, you know, and potentially getting a Fred Vesti in the car? You know, Drogovic I mean, they've, got, they've got such a wealth of drivers on their roster, haven't they, over at McLaren? You know, could it be a Pato Award? You know, or one a... Mexican gets the boot for another Colton, Mexican coming Colton in. Colton Herter? I can't remember who the good one is. Is it him? Colton Herter was one that was thrown around for a long time. He's obviously with Andretti. He was actually going to be my pick uh, for who could end up oh, really? at Andretti if they had a Formula 1 team. Um, you know, you, you look at, obviously, yeah, McLaren's lineup at the moment is Pato Award, Felix Rosenquist, Alexander Rossi, Tony Kanaan. Obviously, Kanaan's far too old, bless him. I don't think he'd want to. Alex Rossi obviously already had an F1 drive, albeit very temporarily with Mana back in the day. Uh, Rosenquist, I just don't think, to be honest, is good enough. But Pato Award, you know, I, I could see him potentially getting the call up. Or, of course, you know, we, we still talk about Alex Palau. Could he end up getting that F1 gig? Of course, has wrapped up uh, the title as well. Um, 
It is very, very interesting, isn't it? You know, where could McLaren go with that? What about this one? A little bit of Seb Vettel? No. <laughs> Seb doesn't want to come back. Do you not I'm think? I'm going to close that down immediately. No, Seb is vibing. He doesn't want the pressure of F1 anymore. Mm, maybe not, maybe not. What about Formula E? Is there anyone there? Pascal Verline? I mean, you can't nick DeFries. He was an old McLaren junior. <laughs> I suppose, yeah, it went great for him, didn't it? So, I mean, if... Everyone always says Stoffel van Dorn deserves Right now, chance. we've we've kind of got three AlphaTauri drivers looking for two seats. So, I mean, obviously, they're not going to get Ricardo back. But if Liam Lawson gets overturned by... Like, gets overlooked by uh, AlphaTauri, could he end up at McLaren? Well, I think this was, this was, again, another one of our points, wasn't it? That Red Bull now are very much on the we want Liam Lawson in the car permanently train. Yeah, yeah. And to be honest, like I was saying earlier, like any of these drivers we're mentioning are a bit of an unknown quantity compared to a driver like Perez, who you know is going to do a solid job. So I think if the opportunity was there for McLaren to take Perez on the cheap, I don't see why they wouldn't if Norris was leaving. Um, but yeah, we well, have to wait the, and see. The only other one I've thought about, Jamie, and this is very much getting into silly season territory, is, of course, you know, there's all these talks about Liam Lawson obviously moving over into that Alpha Tauri seat permanently. But there's also talks of potentially Yuki Tsunoda's seat being under threat. Because mm, he's not really putting up any trees. Like, he's but doing, he, he's but doing this all is right. the thing, isn't it? He looked like he had been all season. And yeah. we've been saying this since the start of the season again. Of Is Yuki Tsunoda doing this amazing job? Or is the car actually not as bad as everyone's made it out to be? And he's just getting what it should be doing out of it. Could yeah. he end up going to McLaren for one year before he goes to Aston Martin when they do their Honda deal? Yeah, I really do think he will end up at Aston. So he will end up at Aston. Honda, he's a Honda racing driver. I don't know if McLaren would want to take him for just one year, but I guess it gives Piastri another year. Could be like it will give Piastri another year to grow, and at that point, you might throw a rookie in. Someone like Ollie Behrman could be ready by 2025. So Ferrari Junior. Oh yeah, sorry, wrong. <laughs> I just thought he's British. I end up at McLaren. <laughs> Brit Ferrari. Brit Ferrari. Yeah. No. Um. I mean. We'll have to wait and see. It it would be insane if this move happens for 24. I really think it's probably more a 2025 move, to be honest. And Perez but will take that seat for another year. This is kind of my belief, though, that Red Bull are kind of there like, well, we're going to win the title anyway. we got Verstappen. Why don't we just mess around some other teams? Just mess around. It's like Max just messing around on the radio. Like, GP, remember to drink? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It does make you wonder, doesn't it? Um, you know what? What could be happening in the near? Because again, you know, it could either be twenty twenty four as a fairly quiet season, and then obviously going into twenty twenty five is when silly season really kicks off. Like they get some really wild moves. Um, but again, it's it's all so up in the air, isn't it? Yeah, which moment. is quite a September quite now. It. It's quite late for silly season. Well, we say this though, but it never used to be very late for silly no, season. No. Was it? It's just in the last few years. Formula One's really gone down a route of everything being locked in super early. And I remember Alonso Alonso. dropped a bomb on it last year in July. I, I was going to say, I remember Alonso back in 2009 getting an announced to Ferrari heading into Japan. Yeah, and 2014, Vettel announced he was leaving Red Bull in Japan. Like, Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of all over the shop, isn't it? So Perez could be, uh, his days could be numbered. But Max could would be. win the constructors on his own, so it doesn't really matter. He could, they could exactly. enter one he car. Be, he would be leading the constructors by himself. The only thing, of course, would be that obviously, he, if they only brought one car, then every other team would score a few more points. Yeah, it'd true. be a fun competitive battle. It would be. Um, 
I mean, speaking obviously of everything going on with Red Bull, though, uh, it's not really news, is it, of course, because we've known this for a long time, but Helmer Marko once again has proved himself as a racist. Um, <laughs> yeah, felt like he, obviously that needed mentioning. He didn't make himself look too clever, did he, with his uh, comments about Mexicans. Classic. Richard Hammond style. But... <laughs> it was very Richard Hammond-esque. Um, and then he, he backed that up, didn't he? So, of course, he effectively said that Mexicans have got a different mentality to Europeans. Um, he, well, actually, he called him South American, first of all, which, of course, Mexico isn't That's not in South the case, America. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and basically said, of course, that, you know, a European driver has a different mentality. Um, and obviously then retracted that statement and said, no, what I meant was, of course, that Mexicans are different to Europeans and that Germans or Dutchmen um, are probably more motivated, which was basically retracting his statement and saying exactly the same yeah. thing again. It's like, no, I didn't mean this. I meant the same thing in a different word. So. <laughs> and it, it does sometimes feel, doesn't it now, obviously, with the loss of um, Dietrich, Dietrich Mateschitz at the end of last year. You know, does Helmut Marco kind of, you know, he hasn't got someone kind of pulling his leash back in as much? Because <laughs> yeah, he always seems not. like he's got a weird relationship with Christian Horner, doesn't it? And like Christian Horner's there, like with this angry old man. It's but you like, kind of get the yeah. sense he doesn't really want around. No, I don't think he does, but like, it's, he's quite hard to get rid of, isn't he? So I guess he's just there. They don't really listen to him, they don't really pay much attention to him, but he just keeps talking to people. So it's a bit like Jacques Villeneuve, really. But... A bit like Jacques Villeneuve, yeah. It is kind of alarming, isn't it? Um, but, you know, it'd be, it'd be interesting to see, of course, you know, Helmut Marko, I'm sure, will end up at every race between now and the end of the season, apart from Mexico. I'm oh, sure yeah. he's not been invited to that Grand Prix. <laughs> probably um, not, we, probably not. Um, would get mobbed under the podium, I think. I I think, to be honest, I I mean, we've I've definitely can go on the record of saying I'm not a Helmut Marko fan anyway. No, um, I don't think. He's, I, quite, he's very, very unlikable. He's up there with Franz Tost. I think this is the thing, isn't it? I mean, Franz Tost is a weird one, though. Because Franz Tost kind of just doesn't really like anything. No. Um, I don't know what... Like, has he got a wife? I would assume Franz Tost has a wife. I, I didn't think we'd be looking at Franz Tost's marital <laughs> status. I reckon he's got, like, three divorces, you know, in, in his wiki. Or something oh, like he's that. actually not got any information on Wikipedia. He's a very unknown quantity. But... Helmut Marco is like when people go, Oh, I don't know why everyone doesn't like Red Bull. You know, it's just like Mercedes dominance. It's characters like Helmut Marco that remind you why people hate the Red Bull dominance a lot more. He is like the uh, the Emperor in Star Wars. Emperor Palpatine. And he looks quite like Emperor Palpatine as well. He does a little bit, doesn't he? It's it's kind of alarming. Um but let's move over then, Jamie. Uh actually, sorry, quickly before we do that, we've we've got one last piece of news, haven't we, before we move to Singapore. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is of course that Hass are finally getting a B spec car late on this yeah, year. I don't see the point. For what, five races? Well they're it bringing, sets you up for next year, doesn't it? They're bringing a B spec car to Kota, because of course they are. Um Merica. and they've literally gone on record and said we're copying Red Bull. That's all they've said. Well, every team's doing that, though, isn't it? Yeah, so I'm quite excited. Has to turn up and Hulk's can get a podium. So, I mean, you know. it would make me chuckle if, of course, we see Aston Martin start the year by copying Red Bull, and you know, do very well, get quite a few podiums, and then kind of fall away. McLaren then copy Red Bull, get a few podiums, and fall <laughs> away. Has I would chuckle just because I know a bigger Hulk fan you are if they come out with this Red Bull and it's even slower. It and they're suddenly me. two seconds off the pace. They still can't or do Magnuson fireware. gets a couple of podiums. Nah, Hulk is so much better than Magnuson. I can't believe you for Magnuson had Hulk in preseason. That's outrageous. Yeah, it still could happen if they bring a decent car and Magnuson delivers. Mm, but, I mean, the story of the season is Hulk is clear. 
that's been the story of the season. For Haas. Never mind Red Bull. Okay. I was going to say, never mind the Red Bull domination. No, it's all been about how Hulkenberg has beat Kevin Magnussen down at Haas. I mean, it's more of a story than what's happening at the front, to be honest. To be fair, yeah, it's more of an interesting story, at least. Um, But, Jamie, then, let's move on to Singapore. And do we want to do predictions first, or do you want to do your quiz? I'll do the quiz, and then I'll see how harsh I am if I just put a Red Bull 1-2. Okay, um, so, of course, what we do in these predictions every week, Jamie, isn't it, is, of course, predict the pole position and the podium. Uh, I'd actually already decided this quiz before we jumped into this week. I had to try and play dumb with Jamie. Oh, really? But wow. what you, because you then said to me I was like, you're going to make a quiz. quiz. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Um, so you have today got to, uh, starting in 2022, going backwards, of course, you know, 2008, as far as you can... Uh, you have got to tell me the podiums oh. for the Singapore Grand Prix. And as soon as you get one wrong, it is oh, this is going to be real hard. Okay. I've got as much time as I need. I can't wait for it need. to be over immediately. How much time as I need? Uh, yeah, you no know, time limits. Give me some grace for the first three, I reckon. Um, no. No. If you get it wrong, you're right. <laughs> so last year was Perez. Leclerc was second. Yeah. And I'm pretty... I don't want to lock it in, but I'm pretty sure it's Carlos Sainz in third. It definitely wasn't Hamilton or Verstappen. That is correct. Okay, good. I will, I will save you the pain. Yes. Because <laughs> we really don't want the quiz lasting um, three seconds either. 2021, they didn't race there? I don't Correct. Think. 2020, neither. Correct. 2019 would have been... Oh, that was the Seb's last win, wasn't it? It uh, was. So it's a Ferrari one too, Seb Leclerc. Yeah. It was Verstappen, actually, though, wasn't it? That was a, a was rare, a rare non-Mercedes podium in 2019. It was. And I just looked at Alex Albon in P6 and thought, wow. <laughs> but of course, he was in a Red Bull. Yeah. 2018 next. That was Lewis's pole lap, which is overrated. Um, so Lewis won the race from Max and Seb, I think. Correct. Uh, 17. Oh, that was a big Ferrari crash. That would have it been... Was. That should have been uh, Hamilton, Ricardo, Hulkenberg, but it was actually Hamilton, Ricardo, Bottas. It was. Let's <laughs> <laughs> um, salt there, Jamie. A little bit, a little bit. Uh, 2016, Nico Goat Rosberg, with his best performance of his entire career. Love him. Um, from one of the Red Bulls, I think it was Ricardo, in second, with Hamilton fluking third ahead of Kimi Raikkonen. Correct. Uh, 2015 was another rare non-Mercedes podium with Seb from ooh, I don't want to get this wrong Seb from Ricardo and Raikkonen correct? yes <laughs> um, 14 one of the Mercs DNF'd I think it was Rosberg so so Hamilton yeah, Hamilton would have won from, uh, who was good? Oh, Seb was second, and I want to say Ricardo was third. Correct. Oof, yes. This 13. is an impressive run. So I reckon I can go, I think this is my strong part now. <laughs> 2013, uh, Seb, that was part of his nine wins in a row, so Vettel won from, oh dear, See, that's mad, isn't it? That nine wins in a row is no longer historically important. 
No. <laughs> this might be difficult, actually. So I think... Oh, don't say you're into your strong point and now no, exactly. mess up. I think it was... In some order, it was Alonso and Weber, but... Or was it Raikkonen? Maybe it was Raikkonen. Yeah, because he started super low and finished third, I think. In the Lotus. I'll go... Oh, I don't want to get this. I'm going to get this wrong. Al- Alonso Raikkonen, second, third. Correct. Oh. <laughs> 2012, next. Uh, yep. It was Seb's four in a row, which, which is equally non-important. Um, <laughs> so Vettel won from 2012. Oh, dear. I should not. 2012 was a good year as well. It was. I think Alonso was on the podium. He used to finish on the podium all the time. Um, it could have been... Who who crashed that race? So Schumacher crashed, but he only got... I'm trying to <laughs> I don't... Th- I reckon I'm going to bottle this. Vettel... Hamilton DNF'd. Yeah. Vettel, Alonso, Weber. Incorrect, oh. I'm afraid. <laughs> well, how, how close was I? I actually don't remember that at all. So it was like Sebastian Vettel with the dub. Jensen Button. Oh, I was going to say Button. I thought Button was up there. Fernando Alonso P3. And I think the most surprising out of all this was fourth. Fourth was Paul DeResta, wasn't it? It was Paul DeResta. <laughs> yeah. Absolute madness. Paul he used to be a he had a weirdly of good at Singapore. Yeah. He was weirdly mediocre everywhere else yeah he got uh, and sick famously in as well Bruno Senna beat uh, Vitaly Petrov despite the fact Senna DNF from the Grand Prix and Petrov didn't really yeah because Petrov was two laps down and Senna DNF for the lap to go wow great job uh, Pedro De La Rosa though finished a lap down on everyone wow wow I think I did it right mad. I'm you annoyed pretty well I, there. you know what if I got past that that one I reckon I could have gone to the end Oh nine, oh eight, I definitely could have got well go on then give me 11 and 10 uh, Keep going for here we me. go. I'll get it Let's wrong now. Yeah. Um, well, eleven would have been uh, Seb, Weber, Alonso. I think. Wrong. Uh, well, <laughs> then never mind. <laughs> Seb Button, Weber. Correct. Yeah. And ten was Alonso Vettel. Yeah, ten was Weber. a famous one, wasn't it? Uh, that is correct. And then nine was Hamilton Glock Alonso. Yeah, and eight was Alonso. Who was? Oh, Rosberg, Hamilton. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Almost, almost, <laughs> almost. That there. killed you just ten kept minutes. Getting Jensen Button. Yeah. <laughs> it really did. You did well there. You did fantastically well. And that's going to lead us then, Jamie, into our final point of conversation today, which of course is our predictions, where we're forty-six apiece. We as are. As we head level, into this pegging. weekend, it is all level pegging. Um, and as the editor of the show, I'm still going to go first. Apple, <laughs> I'm going to um, check the weather. Oh, it might rain. Shock. It's, it's always 20... going to rain. It's 2023. Every race is rain affected, apart from Monza. And the ones in the desert. Um, and the ones in the desert. Wouldn't surprise me if we get rain in Qatar in a few weeks. Yeah. Looking forward to that race. Actually. <laughs> um, I am going to say Verstappen. Ferrari could be a threat here. Actually, I'm going to go bold, Jamie. <laughs> I'm going to go really bold. I'm going to go stupidly bold. Singapore's less high downforce now because of all the changes. Yeah. Because I was thinking I'll just true. predict Monaco, Alonso pole, but maybe not. I'm going to say Charles Leclerc pole. Interesting. 
I'm going to say Verstappen still wins. <laughs> yeah. Um, with Leclerc P2. I look forward and... to Leclerc's win record going lower. From yep. <laughs> yep. And uh... oh yeah, let's uh, do I go safe? No, let's go Ritium Tyne. I can afford to take a couple of risks. Let's go Alonso P3. All right. Verstappen pole. Verstappen win. So both said Verstappen. <laughs> I'll go. Oof. Do I'll go Alonso Hamilton. Get all the champions on the podium. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, have we got anything else to talk about, Jamie? Have we? Kazuki Nakajima also scored a point in the 2008 Singapore Grand Prix. That's one to note. Well, that should have been Rosberg's first win. But, you know, Renault were cheats. But it wasn't. Well, could we see some race fixing from Alpine this weekend? Probably not. Although they have said they're done with their five-year plans. <laughs> yeah. Their five-year plan, 200 race plan. No, 100 race plan. <laughs> is now going to be like a one race plan. Get... Gasly another win. Higher staff. Yeah. Yeah, well Gasly and Ocon are the only ones left really, aren't they? So Pretty much. But less pretty much. Less rinsing Alpine. I don't think we've got anything more to say really. Apart from Hulkenberg is on a podcast on, on Beyond the Grid. So I'm gonna go listen to that after this. Fair enough. Thank you all, as always, so much for listening. If you have enjoyed, please do make sure you leave a like, get yourself subscribed, and we will be back then very, very soon. Well, I hope so. Uh, well, hopefully Jamie will be <laughs> back, yeah, with a Singapore Grand Prix review. 